Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I was thinking a lot about this idea. And, you know, today's message, if you get the emails that we send out on Friday, you know, I always announce whatever the message title is. And this week it's plug in and power on. Plug in and power on. And it is true that we are, well, here's the thing. It's kind of a, it's kind of a strange idea because we're actually never not plugged in. We just think we're not plugged in sometimes, but we're actually always plugged in. So part of the journey is to remember that we are always plugged in. But if we need to use a metaphor, let us plug in and power on today. And it made me think about an experience I had in 2017, so five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. I can do math. Five years ago. I was on my spiritual journey that I take every year to uh, the island of Kauai, and I engage in a week-long spiritual retreat, although I hesitate always to call it a retreat. I like to think of it as an advance, a spiritual advance. <laughs> it's an opportunity to come together, and I do, we do workshops throughout the week, and we, do, we go to sacred sites on the island, and it's a really lovely experience. And for many years, it was always held in January. So January of 2017, I went to the island, and one of the experiences that is consistent year to year is the opportunity to go to the Hindu temple, the Hindu monastery on the island of Kauai. Now, a lot, and a lot of people don't realize that there is a fully functioning, active Hindu monastery on the island of Kauai. And if you ever go to the island of Kauai and have an opportunity to visit the Hindu monastery, I always tell people it is a must. It is a must. Well, gratefully, because of our association with the spiritual center that was there, uh, we were able to have some time with one of the swamis at the Hindu monastery. And this is an honor because when you go as a visitor, you don't always get to interact with the swamis. But we, have, we were able to interact with one of the swamis last year, and, and, and in subsequent years as we've gone back, he's always the same lovely man who uh, guides our group. And when we arrived, I'm just going to tell, do a little storytelling. When we arrived, the first thing you do is you, you go to this, uh, you go to this um, Ramada area, and they have a burning bowl in the center. So you begin by engaging in the practice of burning bowl, by writing out whatever it is you are looking to release that day, put it in the bowl and uh, burn it. And uh, the Swami came out and met us at the Ramada, at the burning bowl. Now, the thing about, there's some protocol that you need to understand as well. You do not touch the Swami under any circumstance. If you are a devotee, and uh, you can actually go up and touch the Swami's feet, but you do not touch the Swami. And when we were gathering, our group was gathering, you know, there's benches all around the Ramada, and we all sat down. And uh, Reverend Rita, who is one of the sponsors of this event, um, apparently sat a little too close. And the Swami very politely just turned and said, do you mind moving four inches that direction? <laughs> yeah. And then he invited her 
to open us with an affirmative prayer. Of course, he just said prayer, right? Because that's what most people understand. And so she opened us in a metaphysical affirmative prayer treatment that was so beautiful, so powerful. And we all sunk into the energy of that prayer. And at the conclusion of it, he turned to her and he said, my experience of you in this moment is that that was the purest form of prayer I could possibly imagine. Because it is rooted in the deepest understanding and the sense of who you are. You know who you are. It is not a prayer to, it is praying as. And he said, that's, if more people understood that, this world would be a very different world. Knowing who you are, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough. Who you are is God. So we continued on our journey. Now they're building a brand new temple at the monastery. It is built out of granite. It is 100% hand-carved. There is no machinery that they are utilizing, and they have, they've been working on it for decades. It's all, every year I go back, it's, it's almost done. <laughs> it's almost done. But, but each year I go back and, and we actually see the progress. Now, they aren't doing a lot of tours to the new temple. Uh, but they take us up there, and the first year that we went, all we got to do was walk around the temple. Well, this year, in 2017, they invited us into the temple, and that was a special experience. One of the things that, that, that happened is, as we entered the temple, he took us to the very center area, which had not been consecrated yet, so we were allowed to actually go into the central area. Once it's consecrated, nobody except the swamis, except the monks, get to go in there. And we chanted, and it was glorious, absolutely glorious. We continued our conversation, and Reverend Rita's husband, Reverend Patrick, asked a question of the Swami. And the Swami's response to the question was another question. The Swami said, so, what I'm figuring out from your question is that you think you're the center of the universe. Is that correct? And Reverend Patrick, eyes wide, went, <gasps> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And the Swami's response to that was, Good, now I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> it was a moment of recognition of the divine essence, and that as we recognize the divine essence in everyone we encounter, we are able to experience more peace. Because when we know who others are, it becomes the great equalizer. There can be no conflict when we know who we are. If I look out here and all I see is God, what is there to have conflict with? This is how we end conflict, by deepening into that understanding. 
So we are swimming in a sea of love because we are all the center of the universe, each and every one. Here's the thing. In the infinite, everything is at the center of infinity. So you are always at the center of the universe. Now, we perceive space and time, right? So we think, oh, well, there must be some limit out there. There's no limit. Without limits, we are each and every one of us the center. He understood that, and he recognized that this group of people understood that as well, not from a sense of ego. Because we could very easily say, oh, well, we're the center of the universe, right? Rooted and just slathered in ego. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, I know who I am, and I know who you are. I know who I am, and I know who you are. Let that be the point from which we flow forth. So as so, I mentioned that we chanted uh, within the temple, and, and the chant we did was actually the chant that I brought today, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. It wasn't that particular melody that we used, but... He explained to me from his tradition, because there, there are, uh, there, here's the thing about Hinduism. There are about as many different traditions as there are practitioners of Hinduism. So in their temple, in their tradition, he explained this understanding of Om Namah Shivaya. He said Om, or no, 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 no. Om, you know Om is, you know, the, 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 the frequency of the universe, Om. Na, Na represents the veiling of the true divine universe from most people. It is a recognition that the true divinity of the universe is veiled from most people, that most of us are walking around blind to the true nature of the universe. That's na. Ma is the cosmos. And opening up the manifest universe, it is invoking a deeper recognition of a well-ordered, manifest universe. Shiva. Shiva, of course, is the incarnation of divinity. Shiva is the divine revealing grace, as he explained it, and Yah, the soul, an offering of the inner self. And so when we put it together, and you know, it's, it's a loose way of understanding because there is no truly accurate translation in the sense from Sanskrit to English. It just doesn't quite line up, but it essentially says this, I honor the inherent divinity in myself and in all people. So when we say, Om Namah Shivaya, we can understand it as saying, I honor the inherent divinity in myself and in all people. And it is about the energy and the feeling underlying the words, not necessarily the words themselves. Because every word that we speak is rooted in feeling, in energy. And when we are in alignment with the energy, that's when we can utilize our words to change the world. We experienced an energy, I, well, I, I won't speak for you. I experienced an energy in opting to do that prayer for Ukraine at the beginning of the service today. Perhaps you felt it too. 
I felt a shift in this room. It was not because of the words that I was speaking. It's because we collectively gave over to an energetic change within ourselves. And we became a point of light that cannot be denied, that burns so bright, that shines so bright, that we have had an effect on the collective consciousness of this world. And I believe, I believe, and I hold firm in this belief that we have shifted something today and that the, the experience that flows forth is an experience of peace. And it first begins in my heart and it begins in your heart. That is understanding the power of knowing and honoring the inherent divine in myself and in all of us. Om Namah Shivaya. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to spend time with the monks. I had a conversation that year as well. And I acknowledged that I was so grateful for the opportunity and that we had this, this chance to really connect with this understanding that, that there is only one energetic power, creative energy, God, whatever we choose to call it. There is only that, and we are that. And that a form of enlightenment is allowing ourselves to open up to that construct, that we are never, ever, ever, here's the thing, we are never actually trying to change the conditions of the world. We could very easily get lost in supplicating ourselves and praying so hard to change the conditions in Ukraine. That's not what we're trying to do. When we come into alignment, what we are looking to do is to work with our divine identity in addressing our relationship to the conditions in this world. When we change our relationship to the conditions in the world, the conditions naturally change. But if we approach it from the idea of, I'm going to change this, then we are utilizing strength in an erroneous way because we are trying to coerce something to happen as opposed to allowing ourselves to be in alignment with the change we seek. When we are fully in alignment with the change we seek, it's easy. The strength comes naturally. This month, we're talking all about strength as one of the 12 powers. And when we plug in and power on to the inherent strength that we are, we become world changers just by being, not by doing. Our thoughts don't create reality. People will be like, but isn't that what you teach? Our thoughts don't create reality. Reality exists. Reality exists. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings, they direct reality. They direct that which already is so that we can live the life we desire. They direct our own relationship to this thing called reality. We've been living in the construct of the veil, the shadow, for a long time. And, you know, I think about, I think about 2017, that there's been a lot of challenge in this world, right? 
That's the shadow expressing itself. That challenges the shadow expressing itself. It is the way that we have veiled our own eyes. But we, even through what we perceive as a very challenging social, cultural, and political landscape, through all of this turbulence, when we know who we are, then we can deepen into our own responsibility to these things. What is the responsibility? The Swami put it this way, and I invite you to take this to heart as you think about, and I'm going to keep bringing it back, think about Ukraine and think about those that we might call the other who are forcing themselves into Ukraine. The Swami said this, there is no other Everyone in this world is family. If we can begin to look through the actions and the activities that people take and see the core essence of who they are, recognize them as our family, that's how things change. That's how things change. That is our response ability. We have the ability to respond with love, with light, with peace, with wisdom, and with joy in our hearts overflowing. Our work is to plug in and power on, to shine our light, to shine our light, shine your inherent strength, shine that light rooted in the reception of your core identity, your core identity. And it is not about unifying with or integrating with, it is about knowing the truth of who you are. Now, in prayer, we, we work with, with a particular construct of prayer in this New Thought philosophy, and every branch of the New Thought philosophy has their own method in terms of how they connect through prayer, and they're not so different. So in prayer, when we shift the focus away from our human condition the stuff, and turn it toward our inherent spiritual nature, it is no longer about unifying with. It is about opening, recognizing, and identifying ourselves as that power. Now, there are lots of steps to prayer that we teach. Open, recognize, identify, claim, gratitude, right? But here's the thing. If we only had one step, I would say the most important step is to recognize that God is all there is. If we deeply understand that God is all there is, we don't even need to go to the understanding of identifying as that power because if God is all there is, then we must inherently be that. And if we approach life from that point of view, knowing that God is all there is, then the seeming conflict dissipates because it's all seeming, it's all illusion. It's all made up. So that is part of the work. That's part of the work. Technique is anything that works. So if you have a particular prayer technique that works for you, go for it. Go for it. I wanna talk a little bit about how we plug in too. How do we plug in? Sing in the shower. 
walk in nature. Spend time perusing a bookstore. We have a good one right there. (laughs) Ask and listen. God is speaking no matter who's talking. Pay attention. Up-level gratitude. There are many, many, many ways that we can plug in. These are just a few. One of my favorites, be more childlike. Find that inner child to just play. We can be serious about our spiritual practice, but let us be lighthearted in living our lives. We don't have to take it all so seriously. Let us be lighthearted. You know, here's the thing. In fact, when, when, when we are serious in our practice, because I, I choose to be serious about my practice, what I mean by serious is that we are consistent and committed, not dour or pensive. That's what I mean by being serious. It is about consistency and commitment to the work that we are doing. Life experiences become more light when we are committed to our spiritual practice and serious about it in that manner. That's how we plug in. That's how we power on. That is how we shine our light. So your light, your light was entrusted to you. Plug in, power on, and shine brightly. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. And now comes time for the homework. The homework this week is this. Explore a new spiritual practice this week. Explore something new. See if there's something that you can find in your life that perhaps works with you in a different way in deepening your understanding of your inherent nature. Find a new way to plug in and see what happens. That's the homework this week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.